Hello, hey, hey, bonjour, I'm Gwen Lafage, and this is B2B Marketing FICA, a series of casual interviews with B2B marketers in Europe. Real stories, real tips from the people who are actually doing the real work on the ground. Let's grab a coffee and a bully and let's get started. Today, I am talking to Mikkel Drucker, Chief Growth Officer at Tacton, a B2B software company enabling smart commerce for manufacturing. Um, welcome, Mikkel. Thanks, Gwen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure to have you here. Um, let's jump uh, right in. So you've been um, working at Tacton for about three years, I think now, and you are their Chief Growth Officer. So that's interesting uh, to me. What does that mean? What and how is it different from like a CMO that we are more used to? I will say. Oh, that's a, it's a good question. I think there's so many acronyms and so many titles and, and so many opinions and translations. And I mean, if you Google these titles, you get these uh, comparisons. And um, for 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 me, it was a natural evolution. Um, the way I see a CMO is that it's um, uh, it's the person that drives sustainable growth in a company, and and it's typically through um, the sales team or through web. Um, and um, if, if a year ago or so, my my responsibilities changed, and uh, I started working uh, with. The partner channel. I started working with our strategy and with portfolio management, and then all of a sudden, I, I I discovered that hey, there are two more channels here I can work with and drive growth. So for for me, and and then we work the way we work is is in a similar way across the channels. It's it's with these small growth hacking sprints. So so a similar approach to to unlocking growth, but in multiple channels. And um, then I felt that that uh, since it was not just marketing, but also figuring out how do we how do we build the right product over time, how do we price and package it, how do we drive it through partner channels and, and multiple channels, then growth was more a, a suitable title. So uh, yeah, that's why it evolved into that. Right. So it's like the the chief growth officer, the next stage after like the chief marketing officer, in a way, it's like. I, maybe, may yeah. I mean, and for for me it was I. So I I have a product background. So I've I've worked most of my my life in product management, and and uh, so I have this natural interest in 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 product development. And and I think um, too often, unfortunately, in our profession, there we see marketeers that don't really have that good of a grasp of the product. Mm -hmm. uh, but but yet do great campaigns and so so I think there is a there is a typical disconnect between the marketing team and the product team and um, and uh, I've always been very focused on on not having that because uh, right. you you get the most the, the best innovation and the best uh, progress if you mix all those competences and you work towards the the same goal. Now, I think that's what I like about growth hacking, that, that you have multiple functions, you have multiple people uh, working on one goal, which is not, hey, I want to do a cool campaign or, hey, I want to do a cool product, but it's about creating benefits for who, whoever you're targeting with, with the means that you have. Um, yeah, and it, and it feels like um, this year, 
at least there's a lot of buzz around that. I feel like last year was all about like the sales and marketing alignment. And this yeah. year it seemed that it's about the product and marketing alignment. And there's a lot of buzz around, around product-led marketing or product-led growth. Um, do you feel that this is what's happening as well at, at, with your role in Attacton? It's like it comes, the growth come from the product? Yeah, I think it depends very much what, what line of business you're in and what industry you're in, I think. Uh, so I've been inspired by by Dropbox and, and Hotmail and how they many, many years ago, uh, you know, did product, product-led marketing uh, with very, very few means. Uh, we have like so many other companies at the moment, we have limited budget. So I think it's interesting to figure out how can you, in your marketing, how can you have your product play a more significant role? Um, freemium is a great example of, 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 of proving your value proposition uh, without going through an extensive long sales cycle. Uh, so I think there is, there is so much to achieve when you combine marketing and product in the same approach, whereas you keep them differently you sort of separate, you sort of treat them as separate entities and se it, it sort of, to me, it feels old and, and, yeah. um, and in the end, what I see not only in B2B, uh, B2C, but also more and more in B2B is you know, show me what, show me the benefits. Don't, don't, don't talk about them. Show it to me. What is it that your offering can do? Uh, how is it it can help me? I'm, I'm not interested in these, you know, high level descriptions, high level, high level uh, buzzwords or, or catchphrases. I'm, I'm interested in seeing what it can do. So I think, Demos and all those things are, for me, also a good combination of, of product and marketing. And then I think it becomes like this hybrid approach, which ultimately is more relevant uh, to, to at least to the, company, the, the type of people we're targeting. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, I, I think it is, it's also what the media chooses to focus on so that there is like a, there is a, there is a certain element of bus around, but not only titles, but also around product-led, market-led, whatever. I think in the end, it's about being convincing, transparent, and trustworthy in the way you communicate. Um, and, and I think you do that best if you have like a, an overlapping uh, sort of concise way of, of doing it together. Yeah, yeah. I I I I agree. I think the uh, in a way, like you said, with Dropbox or those examples, they had this strategy um, years ago, and I think it's putting maybe a name today on on something that already existed in a lot of companies, and especially in SaaS, right? I mean, free trials and demo have been there from the beginning or for a really long time, but um, it's it's just trying to kind of put a name on it in a way that people like having those buzzwords um, and writing books about it. And, uh. and also when you go inside the, the organization and, and so you mentioned last year was about sales and marketing alignment and, and maybe this year is, is about product. But I, it, for me, it's, it's sort of, that's the great thing about software and software as a service. I think that it sort of, it, it tears down these silos between the different organizations because you cannot be successful running a SaaS business in with a sort of a siloed organization. Um, and uh, you have to have common goals, common KPIs across the company, across the different functions. And, and when you have that, you have to find a way to work together in a smarter way. 
And uh, I think that's why we're also seeing so many hybrid roles um, emerging. A product manager today is not what a product manager was five or 10 years ago. Uh, a product marketing manager is not the same. So uh, you have roles emerging, not not from from what the company think is the best thing, I think, but but from what the what the customer is expecting. Uh, so I think there's an interesting evolution here in, in roles and titles and 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 um, more than anything, I just I, I feel that we should just we also thought about why don't we just drop all these titles and just work as one big team, engineering people with skills to code, people with skills to conceptualize, people with skills to market. So it's more about the skill base you bring together, and then you form teams around that. I think uh, it, it's. Uh, it's a big sort of mental barrier to break, but it, it works very efficiently when you when you ultimately do it. Mm. So is that how things are kind of structured and attacked? And it's like you you don't like the product and marketing and maybe some some kind of engineers. They all part of the same team. You organize with like smaller teams, but not those usual silos. Well, I think if not 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 completely yet, but uh, we have we have formed a. a uh, a way of working uh, so we essentially have um, seven behaviors that we we live by when it comes to working and um, they're all based out of agile so it's all about you know small steps it's all about trying it's all about just doing it it's 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 not about the plan it's about the output and all those things and 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 then we have a, a very simple process, uh, sprint-based process that we work from across marketing, uh, business development, and product management. And um, uh, it's it's really interesting to see what what results come out of it because uh, you know a lot of a lot of results are a lot of the stuff that we do doesn't add up to anything. Um, and, uh, and but but that's not the point. The point is to have an outcome, and then and then you figure out okay, it didn't work great let's let's uh, share a cake and and celebrate and then find out let's not do that again so um we haven't completely organized across the organization but more and more projects are approached in in an agile growth hacking uh, approach mm-hmm. i think we are also changing the 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 culture more and more to celebrate failure uh, which is which is very unusual uh, i mean in a sales driven organization yeah failure because you know you ring the bell when when you close a deal but you don't you don't share a cake when you when you fail a campaign no exactly. uh, but, but we're trying to change that because because uh, if you can fail if you can fail um, and then then you can do all of a sudden you can try a lot of things and people yeah. we don't have a lack in appetite or in lack of creativity we just I think there's just a cultural barrier in so many con- companies that prohibits us from from living it out yeah so, so pushing people to try more and, and that's really interesting and what about with uh, with with sales and um, is the sales and marketing kind of in one team or like is like the SDR part of marketing, for example, a lot of companies are doing that right now. Yeah, we've, we've, we've moved the uh, BDR, at, here's another acronym, uh, SDR, BDR, Inside Sales, that, that role we've moved <laughs> into marketing. Um, so, uh, and I think that creates not only a, a, a better connection to sales and a, and a more uh, undisrupted sales cycle or funnel, 
but it also brings sort of the sales focus into marketing. So marketing cannot just be about getting the word out and, and creating nice experiences and everything. It's, it's, it's gotta be sales driven. It's gotta be sales motivated. And, and so it's, it's a good way for us to mix it up. And I think the next step probably will be to regionalize the functions. So they're in one team and they're reporting to not a sales or a marketing person, but, but more of an, a GM or a neutral role. And I think mm-hmm. that that could be the way to go it. Um, I would take it, but um but who knows? I think it's a good first step here to mix things up and create these hybrid roles. We we also created now starting to create a marketing a marketing and sales ops hybrid role. Again, why would we need? Why do we look at marketing KPIs and marketing data separately from the sales? It it should be one, right? Again, mm-hmm. it's one funnel. Uh, so we're trying to to create these hybrid roles to build bridges and and also to create one way of looking at the customer. Yeah, great. Yeah, no, that seems to for sure to make a lot of sense. It's like, uh, um, yep. Okay, interesting. One one thing that um, comes to mind when you're mentioning all of that and knowing that you, so you, you're based in Denmark and <coughs> Tacton was following in Sweden, but then have a, a big office now in the US. So yeah. you're very international company with offices in different places and a new team is kind of spread out right from yeah. in different countries um how does that work is that complicated for you because you you're managing a team that is both on u.s timeline and an european time zone right hey I, you know i have to be honest with you it is complicated of course uh, but but i wouldn't have it any other way i i just i've always loved the the dynamics of working with different cultures and different time zones and different markets and different ways of doing business i think that 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 of course makes things complicated but it also makes it real and and uh, i enjoy all that uh, sort of stimulation and diversity um it's true. Yeah, I'm based in in Denmark, and and of course uh, at the moment more in Denmark than anywhere else. But but um, I, I travel. I normally travel quite a lot, and and get energy from that. Um, uh, when I started, we had a we had a very small team in Stockholm, and we had one person in 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 Germany. And uh, but our mission was to win in the U.S. So so there's a bit of a disconnect between between or there was a, a disconnect between where did, where did we have our people and where did we want to win uh, not saying that you can't succeed out of sweden in a market like the us but 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 um but it becomes a little theoretical mm-hmm. you try to so um i i then built up and staffed up in in the us um there's a bigger market for talent there's a bigger you can access the talent in a faster way um but um and then uh, and then you have sort of a, a hub uh, structure so i've created a hub structure in 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 three regions now and try to empower men uh, try to empower them as much as possible so you know i i like you i think i believe in in hiring people that are that knows how success looks like so i've been i've been fortunate to get a few of them in and they they basically run the teams now regionally and and um so what I have to do is is make sure that they are that they know the the corporate culture that they uh, that they know the ways of working, uh, but but they they align with sales locally. I don't believe in this sort of global approach to everything because the markets are different. Yeah, 
and uh, the way so you... how many um, direct reports do you have uh, I have five now five and they are in like different time zones they are yeah they are and and yeah and and of course that is a bit of a sort of a, yeah so you, you end up working weird hours uh, right yeah. but but um, again I just get so much energy and and uh, it gives me a lot to to be in a group where there is this great diversity of, of national cultures and backgrounds and um, I've now hired a few people also in Sweden and I think it it, it started to me it started as this very sort of very black and white mantra that I had to build up a team in the US and nowhere else and now I'm a little more relaxed about it <laughs> um, and it happens that there is great talent in Europe as well of course there is um, uh, but I think it works now well. And then we try to do for the whole organization, we do FICAS every uh, fourth week. We do uh, team meetings where we celebrate and recognize uh, achievements and those kind of things. And that's more how I then try to build a common culture. But I don't believe that 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 a, a global international team can have one culture. I think you sort of need to have some values that we all, and we have values and, and we have these seven behaviors that I talked about relative to, to working that we drive, but then I, I allow for, and we have to allow for, 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 for subcultures, uh, subcultures are great. Yeah. And they, they drive the sort of the urgency locally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that makes sense. And uh, you've, you've had like a very international career anyway, right? You've lived and worked in the US for many years. So you have an understanding of, of the culture there and how it's different from Scandinavia. Um, yeah. How can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, how did you start working there? Was it, was it something that you always wanted to do, like have an international career or did it just happen? Yeah, that's a good question. I, th I think um, without becoming too uh, philosophical, I, I I was brought up in, in a way where both my dad and mom encouraged me to make uh, decisions out of the heart and not the brain. And that's what they, they've always done. And, and they I consider them happy people and, and they've done well. So I think it's it's I've I've always always been sort of searching for and then I've also always been searching for change and and so uh, when I started uh, my engineering school I I I found out I could go abroad and so I took a year in in Malaysia and worked there in a Chinese company and for me that was like I think I was 22 or 23 that was mind blowing to to experience that difference in in people and religion and business culture and authority and all those things and you know when you go to school and you read about all these things and you read uh, about cultural differences yeah it's all great but if you don't experience it you don't you don't get it under your skin mm -hmm. um, and then i kind of got hooked on it and and uh, went to london and and stayed there for six months and and uh, um then yeah, then then it's been a norm since that that and my wife luckily agrees that that home is not where is not your it's not what your passport says, but it's where is where you find uh, happiness and where you discover yourself uh, with the family. So so yeah, and now I've been in Denmark for a while, and and I'm starting to get that uh, itch or sort of that that um, that longing again. So uh, who knows? But I think. Back I think to the someone, US next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe after January. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, 
No, I think I, you know, why would you, why would you move abroad? I mean, you can get an international company or job in, in your own country. And, but for me, it's, it's, it, for me, it's been all about the curiosity about understanding how people are not the same everywhere. Uh, there, there, are, there are reasons why people act in different ways. There are reasons why, you know, there are, there are religious impacts. There are author, authority impacts on the decisions you make, etc. For me, those are, for me, that's interesting to understand and to learn, but it's also, it makes me more empathetic and more better at what I do. So if I have to have a Conversation, tough conversation from in, in, with one from my team uh, who is from Asia or for wherever he or she is from. It, I know that there are certain, certain things I can't say, or at least I have to wrap it in a different way in order for me to be effective, in order for the receiver to have a positive experience uh, with it as well. So you can easily have a career, an international career in your own country, but it's 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 just going to be a theoretical approach, and mm-hmm. I think. Um, right now, or not right now, but hopefully soon, again, the world will be open and, and there are no barriers. I mean, you can, within the EU, you can move freely. It's not difficult. If you find a great company that's willing to invest in, in you and want to ship you to the US or Asia, you should do it, right? Mm-hmm. Even though you don't know what happens after those two, three years, but, and, and you've tried it too, right? So. Yep. Uh, just do it. Life is too short not to discover the world. And and, and yeah. when you work, you get the benefit of, of both discovering the world as well as working and, and finding out a, a, a different way of working. So, um, yeah. yeah, long yeah. answer to, to your question. But I, for me, there's no other way. And I actually also had a job in Denmark and, and uh, everything was great. But I, I but it just it was just in Denmark. And I, I traveled. I took the car and I drove three hours and it was still Denmark. <laughs> you know, I took. I went to another location. So I, for me, and especially with software, when you're selling software, like you, you can connect to customers wherever in the world. Um, but, but if you don't really know how they behave, you do, if you don't really know anything about them, then perhaps you're not that efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. I mean, I'm. I also have been working, living in different countries, and I definitely agree that it's just such a an enrichment um, that if you have opportunities to do it, like just just go for it or sometimes create opportunities for yourself if that's what you want to do. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, for me, like even Sweden is a little bit, well, it's different <laughs> for, for yeah. me right now. And uh, yeah, who knows, maybe one day I'll go back to the US too. I don't know. <laughs> But, and I read, I read the uh, the Maldive Islands. They are now opening up for one year uh, visas for remote work. <laughs> Perfect. Then. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Well, thank you so much. I feel like um, we could we could probably chat for like another hour, but. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I need to yeah wrap this up and thank you very much for the great insight. I think this was a fantastic discussion, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, Thanks. we will. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. This podcast is sponsored by Skoda, a full-service creative agency with offices in San Francisco and Stockholm, which transforms B2B companies into brave brands. Mm-hmm.